friend and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to once again speak of the eating disorders from the Ayurvedic perspective this time. When we look at eating habits and the unhealthy kind from the Ayurvedic perspective, I believe that it can be a really healing practice. My apologies for interrupting the episode for just one minute. I want to let you know that even though the enrollment is now closed for Nourish, Balance, Thrive for this round, it is always open for the coming ones. So you can be on the wait list by simply sending me an email or contacting me on Instagram. You find all the details in the show notes of this episode you can always at any time also get in touch with me for questions and more so for working with me privately one-on-one sessions whether this is on a therapeutic level from the clinical psychology perspective or from the ayurvedic perspective as well now back to the episode I believe that Ayurveda can heal our relationship to food. And through the practice of a routine, of rituals, of meditation and yogic postures, asanas as we call them, we can also heal our relationship with our thoughts and progressively with our bodies as well. When we learn to understand the qualities of food, we can develop a different relationship to food. It becomes less of an antagonist, since the mentality behind eating disorders often relates to lack of control, to the idea that food would harm us, to not knowing what to eat, and so on. There's plenty, obviously, of ideas behind it. So from the food relationship side, it would be a process of making food our friend. And really keeping in mind this idea that Ayurveda sees food as medicine. When it comes to the relationship with ourselves, There's the mental and emotional aspect, as well as the physical. They are all disturbed for someone with unhealthy eating habits. 
mentally there will be worry, there will be anxiety, there will be a need to control our environment, feeling empty, feeling not enough. The relationship to the body is also one of conflict. Just like with food, we could say that the body is seen as an antagonist, not our friend. The need to control comes back on all aspects of eating disorders. And that actually is not something that we should try to change. In fact, the condition would probably worsen if we try to take away the control aspect. When we feel a need to control our environment, it actually comes to counter a feeling of helplessness. Why am I saying that? Well, when we are trying to control, it is because we are trying to make sense, we are trying to see structure, patterns of recognition. We do that when there's uncertainty. We do that when there's lack of clarity, when things are not tangible to us. So our need to control comes in, of course, as a way to keep ourselves safe. We could therefore see in our need to control a sensation of lack of power. So powerlessness is experienced and therefore we try to control. Now, where does powerlessness come from? The only reason we would feel a need to take the power back is, of course, if we experience a lack of power over our own situation condition. If we can't take that power back easily, we feel helpless. So this is why as I'm speaking about our need to control our environment, we can counter that feeling of helplessness. Helplessness can be approached through understanding the same way that someone can feel helplessness in a situation where they feel unfairly treated. And if that situation is then clarified, the person might bring clarity to why they have not been treated the same way, let's say, as someone else, and therefore detach from making it about them, if you see what I mean. When it doesn't feel so personal all of a sudden, we don't feel as helpless because we realize that it wasn't actually about us. So in that same way of clarifying the situation, of making it less about ourselves. I want to say less attached to it. We can tackle helplessness also when it comes to our bodies from the Ayurvedic perspective by creating an understanding of the doshas. You see, when a person understands their tendency and how they are bringing themselves even further away from balance by going into their tendency, they realize why they are feeling out of control. And this all of a sudden brings a certain power back 
right? So then all of a sudden, it takes us away from feeling helpless. What we really are talking about here is that we need to change our perspective. We need to change how we perceive ourselves very much, how we perceive the world, and therefore also how we perceive food, right, and eating. This is not easily done. And especially if we don't wish to change this ourselves, because let's be clear on the fact that most people who have an unhealthy relationship to food, who have unnatural eating habits, don't actually believe that there's anything wrong in how they relate to food. This is, of course, why eating habits can be so hard to detect and tackle. But for the sake of this episode, let's imagine that we wish to change our eating habits and that we have decided to use Ayurveda to do so. We want to bring our relationship with food as well as with the body-mind complex, as we would express it, from the Vedic perspective, into balance again. And actually, this is not a, a utopic perspective, because I would say that many people who come to speak to me and to see me in consultation, due to the fact that they are out of balance, have also discovered that they probably are not entirely clear with themselves in their eating habits. There's a reason, of course, that every episode that I've made, which is about eating or emotional eating, have had such high numbers of downloads compared to others. It is, of course, because there is an awareness about it. But there's also a lot of shame around it. There's an awareness and there's a wish to change it, but there's this idea that there is something wrong with us. When it comes to how we use food in our disordered eating, we can associate the three usually spoken of categories to each and one of the doshas. As a quick reminder from last week's episode, in the manual of psychiatric disorders, we, or the DSM, there are eight categories, but there's three main ones, let's say, the most spoken of, which are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. To just clarify in case we are not certain of what they are or how they differ from one another. Anorexia is basically the absence of eating. Bulimia is eating and then compensating eating by vomiting, which means that it has tendencies of anorexia in it. And then comes a point where there's tendencies of the binge-ing, so eating. And then after the binging, or the eating at least, there's a compensatory strategy of 
cancelling that eating by throwing up. And in the binge eating disorder, there is more actually of just overeating. So there's the binging, but there's not the compensating of it. So that means eating far more than you can, eating always until you are too full, and then doing that much more often as well. So basically, as soon as there's an anxious feeling coming on, there would be the binging. In some opinions, eating disorders as a family, let's say, of disorders or imbalances, are affected directly to the pitta dosha. And even though it clearly results in issues with this dosha, I think that we can also look at it from the tendencies of each type. Because clearly, these three types of eating disorders are very much linked to a mental disposition. A vata person is more inclined to develop anorexia, whereas the pita person would more lean towards bulimia, and the kapha person would perhaps be more likely to become a binge eater. Understanding the way we relate to food through the tendencies of the dosha can be really helpful because it brings us back to the idea of the principle of Ayurveda, which is like attracts like and opposites balance out. If we can see that our tendency is to pretend we don't need to eat, which would be a tendency of vata, and that this brings a very irregular, irregular pattern with our meals, such as inexistent even, vata can forget to eat altogether, right? And we know that vata being like the wind is balanced out by grounding, warming, moisturizing, slowing down. However, if we know that our ten tendency is to be more intense in both action and in our thoughts, we can more easily see our tendency of fire in starving until we can no longer maintain that, where the fire is burning so strongly that there's anger and frustration and heat in that hunger, and then we throw anything we can into our mouth. Just two minutes later, when we're calmer, regret it, and then cancel what we did. If we then know that that is our tendency and that we are a pita person, maybe, we know that pita needs to be cooled down. It needs to be softened from the sharpness of the fire. And it needs to be grounded, actually, as well, in order to be reversed. It means that we must pay attention to when we become too intense. So actually not letting our hunger ever become too intense. And if we know that we have a tendency to binge without that bulimic behavior of compensating, we are more on the kapha spectrum. And we might feel very ashamed of that. So we withdraw from social occasions and constantly eat to fill that void that the isolation is bringing us, knowing that isolation is really not good for us.
that we become depressed and sad when we're isolated. In that case, we know that the kapha tendency, so the quality of kapha, which is stable, stagnant, even cold, wet, needs the opposite, which means to heat up, to make, make more dynamic and to dry out. And so this is how we can begin to look at ourselves and our eating behaviors and to tackle them. Because I think that if we are in a position where we've decided ourselves that we need to do something about our eating habits, it can feel like a mountain to climb to do so because we might not know where to start how to do things, we might feel lonely in our position. And so we need structure, right? We need a guide. And this is where then Ayurveda comes in as a wonderful guide. Now there's a part of it, of the shame, that is so difficult to tackle. And I've spoken about this before because there's this tendency, right, of um, cancel to cancel out certain things or to um, or to bypass negative emotions. If we're feeling that we are not doing well, if we're feeling that we are not well in our bodies and that the way we relate to meals, the way we relate to exercise is not one of ease, then there is something wrong. It, there's just that to actually accept. And what's beautiful with Ayurveda, and I've spoken about this many times before, because I think that it's amazing to hear this for you, because it was amazing for me to hear it. From the Ayurvedic perspective, you need to realize that you are, number one, perfect. There's no reason for nature to create anything that isn't perfect in its full potential. And you're also unique. So your specific constitution is so unique, like a snowflake, that what works for one person might not work for you. And if it's not working for you, it's not because you are supposed to struggle. It is because what you're doing is not what is needed for you. So there's a promise in the Ayurvedic principles that if you can take on these principles and live by them and learn how living with nature brings ease and flow into your life, then you will also, first of all, live your life more fully. You will be at ease in the moment. You will be present, of course, in the moment. Your life will become richer. And that is just in the moment. Because on the long term, it also means that you're increasing your longevity. It is, on one hand, the fact of actually just appreciating your life situation more. But on the second side, or second hand, <laughs> that this living will then become longer. Now there's other things to just take under consideration. We are, as human beings, complicated and we have a tendency to be motivated by something 
in the short term and then discouraged because we do things irrationally. And this is why in Ayurveda, anything that we need to heal has to be done with consistency. And the way that we do things with consistency is by adopting the right action at the right time, but without being so attached to the results and more attached to the fact that we do it just for the sake of doing it at that moment and it makes us feel better. When we do it this way, what happens is that we keep doing it. Because what happens is that instead of, like for instance, yo-yoing into some kind of diet, we are creating a ritual for ourselves and we're repeating it in a routine so that it becomes a new pattern of behavior. And by doing it then daily, it becomes a new habit. We are using our neuroplasticity, therefore, and we're changing our perspective. So that comes back to what I was saying in the beginning of today's episode, that what we really need, actually, is to change our perspective, is to change how we perceive ourselves and the world. I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode. Now, this is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars review and you can give me a commentary. Obviously, if you feel that it deserves it. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. Specifically today, I really want to call out this. If you know someone who might benefit from hearing these words and to take action, please share this episode with them. Remember that whether it's through me or anyone else, You can be guided in this work. That there are people every single day choosing to live in integrity, choosing to feel better. And with the actual joy of social media, we have the possibility to reach out even if we are in a region where no one else does this, even if we are surrounded by family, friends, whatnot, that are not at all helpful in this, we can bring that person who is on the other side of the world, maybe, into our living room, into our lives. So do reach out. You have my information in the 
show notes with my email and you can contact me on social media, no problem. I always respond as soon as I can. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Thank you.